Hallelujah. There's nothing like having a song like that and then your mic don't work. Oh, it's so good to know that we can trade our sorrows, our sicknesses, and just lay them down for the glory of the Lord. Anybody with me on that? Now, this morning, I want you to participate. I don't want you to say, Amen. Can you practice right now? Amen. Now do it with an attitude. Amen. Come on. Let, let me quickly read this to you. You mentally stay connected. It is not going to be on the board this part. As you, He made alive when you were dead, slain by your trespasses and sin. Verse 2 says, in which at what time you walked habitually, you were following the course and fashion of this world, were under the sway of the tendency of this present age. Following the prince of the power there, you were obedient to and under the control of the demon spirit that still constantly works in the sons of disobedience, the careless, the rebellious, and the unbelieving who go against the purpose of God. Aren't you glad that that is not you this morning? Amen. 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 You know what I found out is that it all comes down to our identity of who we are. But here's what the world does is they try to find their identity without first finding out who has given them or us as believers our identity. And that is God, Jesus Christ, came and died on the cross that everything that He has, that He loves us so much that He died to say, you know what, all of my things, all the, the blessings are yours. See, sometimes that is so good that we just kind of go, you know, that, that can't be. And we begin to feed into the identity that that's too good to be true. But this morning, I want you to again come back to the realization as we are in the beginning of 2019, and this is going to be a year of harvest. I believe that. It's not just a, a year of continually sowing. And we know that we continually sow. But this is, I believe, a year of harvest that we're going to receive from those days past that we have planted and sowed in our church. How many people's up for harvest? You know, you know, sowing is something that we have to do. And, and we know that that is good because we cannot have a harvest without sowing first. But let me tell you, if you just are in the ability, or if you're just in the job of sowing and not expecting a harvest, well, something's wrong with you. This morning, I'm going to go through just a, again a check of where you're at as we build on today's message for weeks to come. Our identity is so important that we realize that Jesus is who He says He is, and He can do what He says that He can do. He can forgive your sins. That He loves you so much. You know, there's something about love that drives out all fear, the Bible says. There's something about having that, that safety net that we realize that we can do life, even though that some of us as believers don't feel like we're overcomers and, and we've gone through those times in our lives where we go, God, God, hello, God. Are you there? Because I'm going to try to step out in faith on this area of my life. And I, I just need to know, are you there? And this morning as we believe and we step into that identity of who God is in our life, that we need to step into the identity, hear me, of who God says we are. Now let me tell you, I'm going to apologize for kind of getting emotional real quick, but that song does it for me every time. 
All that stuff that you carried around this week, trade it. Get it off of you. And do it for the glory of the God. Glory of God. That we're saying, God, I believe you can do that for me. I believe that that is for the believer that I can trade all my sorrows, all my sicknesses. That song says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And realize the enemy comes against you today to steal that joy so that you stay powerless, fearful, doubting. And this morning, that passage that I read of what we used to be doesn't only say disobedient or unbelieving. It says the careless. This morning, I'm speaking to all of us that we need to sometimes shake ourselves and say, I will not be careless in the identity that God has spoken over my life. I will not take it lightly. You know, this morning during our Christian education, this Psychologist, she, she's, you can tell, just brilliant of the information she knows. And as she taught, she, she spoke on the ability of the mind and how that when we have thoughts about things that are negative, that it creates actually things going on in our brain that then manifest in things that are unhealthy that's going to come out inside of us. So, so this morning, I want to quickly go through Luke chapter 19 and then Luke chapter 7. We're going to talk about these stories. And then I want to do kind of a word study on that passage that I just read. Then what we're going to do is we're going to have the worship team come up at the very end. And they're going to say that, sing that song again. And, and when it says this, hear me. Joy comes in. Joy comes in the what? You know, sometimes mourning is more than the a.m. It's when you wake up. And so this morning, I'm going to speak revelation, and I'm praying, and I have been praying, that we wake up. This is a message entitled, A Picture of Who You Used to Be. If you're still walking in this identity of who you say, well, that's who I am. Trade that stuff. Say, God, I'm going to make a personal commitment and choice as I listen to this message to allow revelation to come into my life. Luke chapter 19 is a story about a tax collector and some of you, as soon as I say his name, whoop, I know that story, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man. If you were in Sunday school growing up, you know the song. He was a short man, a lot shorter than me because he was a wee man and I'm not a wee man. Anyway. I love it when you laugh. So here's Zacchaeus. He's a tax collector in the Scripture as they got it so fine. If you don't have binoculars, you might not be able to see it. But let me just point out, it says that Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. Not a little guy as far as his position. He is a chief tax collector. And he was wealthy. This is written down, again, speaking of his identity. His reputation. The Bible says Jesus is coming by in, in kind of the parade that usually happened when he walked down the street. And he sees Jesus, he climbs a tree, and then we're going to take over there. It says in verse 8, 
or verse 7, all the people saw this, Jesus coming up to him and wanting to go to his house for lunch. And it says, all the people saw this and began to mutter. Again, that mutter just kind of kills me. Mutter, 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 mutter. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. See, here's what people say who he is. Is he a wealthy man? Is he a tax collector? Is he a short, good-looking guy with a blue suit on? No, they never say that stuff. They're just going to speak into your identity how they see you. And what is it that they speak? He is a sinner. Now now listen to this. In verse 8 it says, but, so it's a transition. This is what's going on over here. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here I am now. I will give half of my possessions to the poor, and I have cheated. if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Now, now look at the consequence of somebody now that has heard revelation into their life. You're all that. You're a sinner. You're this. You're that. And he steps into making a decision to change that. And what is the consequence of coming to know God and making Him not only Savior, you're going to say, be saved from hell, but to make Him Lord of your life. God, you're in control of my life. What's the consequence? Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. All of a sudden, steps out the new and improved Zacchaeus. Here's a man that has been following the system, and the system of operation is Get all you can, save all you can, and then sit on your can. And here's Zacchaeus, and he's following it, and he is very successfully climbing that system of operation. But when he realizes that's not what his identity is, that Jesus has come to save the lost, he's lost, he says, that's for me. The next passage is in chapter 7, same book, Luke. And it's entitled, Jesus Anointed by a Sinful Woman. Now, now this, this person, Zacchaeus, is similar to what is titled, The Sinful Woman. This is a lady, and it says in verse 38 of chapter 7, one of the Pharisees invites Jesus again to his house. There's kind of a, a party going on, and, and they're having a great time, and uh, things are going well, until it says, a woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. Now I want you to catch, again, the, the, the title, the, the identity that is being spoken into this lady. As she stood behind him at his feet, Jesus' feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. Now, Verse number 39, again, here's the people that are in that area that's going to go, okay, let me tell you this lady's identity. When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if there is a man, if this man was a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. What kind of woman is she? What's her identity? Well, there's the sinner. She's not 
a person of our community. She's not trying as hard as she can. Whatever it is, not that identity. She's a sinner. Sinful woman. And Jesus is watching all this play out. And, and he begins, hey, Peter, come here. There's two guys that owe somebody some money. One guy owes a lot of money to the same guy as this guy does, but he only owes a little bit of money. Which one do you think is going to love the guy that they owe money to the most if he forgives both of them? They're dead. And, and Peter's, I got this one. You know how he does. It's probably the one that owes him the most. And Jesus goes, you got it. It's the same way in forgiveness. When somebody is forgiven more, he's going to love more. Now, now, for all of us that were born into, so to speak, into the church, that came as a young person to the church and has loved God, not been perfect, none of us are perfect, but that we've loved God, we think sometimes, well, we really haven't been forgiven much. I want to remind you, yes, you have. But it, it's a matter of what's going on up here of how much you believe actually that you've been forgiven. So in this story, Jesus is pointing out something about a lady. He, he's leading to the conclusion of what's going to happen. And he looks at Peter and he goes, Hey, have you noticed that you, Peter, he didn't talk about the Pharisees, hey, you guys over there. But he says, when I got here, you didn't greet me with a kiss. kiss. You, you didn't wash my feet. You didn't anoint my feet, but this lady hasn't stopped kissing my feet and uh, her tears were uh, really washing his feet as he saw her with her hair wiping the tears and anointing her with or anointing Jesus with this oil. I'm sure Peter was like, wow, here's a guy that was the disciple walking with Jesus and all of a sudden he gets to a place of going, wow, what a what a scene of this lady and her identity and how much Jesus is going to love her. Do you, do you understand? That's called a paradigm shift. Look at that dirty person. That no good. I can't believe it. To I'm kind of like her. I need forgiveness. Now watch this. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. Now watch this. The other guests are still locked on the identity of the woman. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? So the wrath goes from the lady that is anointing Jesus' feet to Jesus for forgiving her sins. Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now, now, I use those two passages of Scripture because what we're going to do is what's called a word study. And if, if you're not engaged, you're going to, in a minute, think, what, what, what? But I want you to know, because I believe that each one can follow through this passage of Scripture, a word study, that we're going to bring out of the Greek and we're going to show you kind of vivid color of what this passage says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2. This is... 
entitled An Old Picture of You. Have you ever gone through some pictures of your photo album or now you've got them on uh, digital, you have them on your iPhone, maybe even back in Facebook, they'll throw up a, anybody ever got a memory like six, seven, ten years ago? And you're, oh my God, look at that thing. <laughs> Boy, I weighed a lot. <laughs> look at <that>. Darker hair. <laughs> well, well, I still got that shirt. There's something about looking at pictures. I, were, I was doing that this week during this message and I was sending some to the Cruises and the Taylors and different people that, that they were doing things in the church and different things and I had pictures laughing and stuff. And There's something about pictures that, that bring us back, drift us back in time to those memories of things that were good, but also sometimes maybe they weren't so good. And there's something about seeing a picture that we go, boom, we're back there. And we begin to believe where we were, either it was good or bad, and where we are today. Is it, is it better? Because we all want to be better than it was. Because we, we have this thing, and it's an invisible audience of people thinking of, this is who I say you are. It's a, It's kind of a, feeling of a reputation and it precedes us and people are saying there's that sinner or there's that hypocrite or there's that not perfect person and we begin to believe that it's subtle it's so little that we don't realize that sometimes after hearing those over and over that it begins to manifest in our behavior what's inside comes out Winston Churchill was one of those guys that kind of said it as it was, you know, he didn't hide around. He says, when you're in your 20s, you care what other people think. Anybody with me on that too? Winston was pretty smart. But he said, when, when you go through your 40s, you stop caring what other people think about you. And when you get to your 60s and on, you realize they weren't even thinking about you in the first place. But there's something about feeling like people are talking about us. And a lot of times that's our own self-talk. Because we know that sometimes the secrets that we're going through begin to go, everybody knows that we're not perfect in that. We know that we, we don't have whatever, perfect children, perfect marriage, perfect hair for some of you ladies. Whatever it is that comes into your identity that you begin to believe, I'm not all that. This morning I want you to realize that in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, Paul is going to tell this passage of Scripture, and it's almost like they go, and it reminds them of who they were to remind them now where you're at is so much better. Now this morning I want to read this passage out of the King James because I'm going to take out the Greek so it's from that original text. And do we have it? Here it is. It says, where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the principle of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. That's a pretty powerful scripture that Paul is telling the new church in Ephesus. He begins to say, I'm going to take a picture now. I'm going to remind you of where you were. That that phrase we're in the past in the King James is really saying remember back then 
See, this isn't where you are now, church. But back then, do you remember where you were? The, the next part of it, it says, when you walked according to the course of this world. The word walked there in the Greek is really a compound word. And I'm not going to give you the Greek word because you won't remember it past about two seconds after I give it to you. But that word comes and it means to walk. It means to walk around even habitually in one general area all the time. The grammar of that phrase begins to say that that person will not deviate from that course. They just are in a trapped situation that they're continually walking in that process over and over. They're locked in that general sphere and they can't break out. When it says, back then you walked according to, that word according in the Greek, again, means something that is forceful or dominating. Now watch this. Something that is a dominating influence of this world. They're unable to alter the path that they were taking. It was so a forceful and dominating of an influence that they continued on and they were trapped in this sphere. They just kept on walking. They were spiritual prisoners. Influenced by the society and manipulated and dominated. The next part of that passage says, Back then you walked according to the course of this world. The word course in the Greek, again, comes out. And again, so many times that when we read it in English, it seems like we get it in black and white. And when we actually bring it out in Greek, it, it becomes colorful. And we go, oh, okay, that's what I'm doing today. It's from the Greek word that describes a specific allotted period of time. In other words, an age, a specific era, a generation. It often denotes the influence of a particular generation or a period of time. It can be the spirit, the spirit of a period. Just like this. Anybody ever heard of the 20s being the roaring 20s? Have you ever heard because of the Vietnam, the 60s and 70s were called the rebellious generations, the hippie generation? That was the spirit of the age. And what Paul is saying is these that go will be in a manipulated, controlled sphere that they can't break out of because they're so dominated and manipulated and controlled by the spirit of that age. I began to look at that. Back then you walked according to the course. It was already laid out because it was a course that was dominated by the influence of the world. Because the passage says, back then you walked according to the course of this world. Now, now stick with me. The word in the Greek, world, is cosmos. Which means something that is fashioned or ordered in the verse denotes a system or an institution in society such as fashion, education, entertainment. I, I think even the newscast. How many people have ever been influenced by fashion? All of us have, because nobody in here has buckles on your shoes and one of those pilgrim hats on today. 
we don't, we're not going to go with that fashion anymore. It's funny, isn't it, that, that we can be influenced by fashion. And I'm not saying that it's all wrong, but at the same time, you get a picture of actually how we are influenced by fashion. Who would have, would our grandparents thought us crazy if we would have thought that the, fa- or they would have thought that the fashion one day would have been big holes in their jeans? My grandma would have went, you need some patches or you need some money. I heard one pastor call them poverty jeans. <laughs> But until you try to price one of those kinds of jeans, you go, what? Half of the fabric's gone. But some of us go looking. Do you have some of those? You know what I'm talking about? Those. It's funny because jeans and, and different clothing and different hairstyles and different. One time, just recently, I was looking through uh, some pictures and styles and, and the zipper on this lady's pair of jeans went down the back. We'll just leave that right there, but I'm not going to be sporting those jeans anytime soon right there. But you think of the fashions. You, you think about what's going on right now in, in hairstyles and, and, and earrings and piercings and tattoos. And, and maybe another generation, another era would go, no, no, I'm not doing that. I don't know, no. Where this generation, Somebody that's in what we would call his mainstream, they might, they might be, you know, whatever, 35, mother of three, and baby, I want that. It's, it's the fashion that will influence people to do something. That's what Paul's talking about. Talking about the world, the spirit of that age, it can be entertainment. Have you noticed that in, in Hollywood that they can put out of a movie that you might go, I'm, a, I'm excusing things on the screen as not really reality that I would have walked out of that movie five years ago, ten years ago, 50, maybe it's never, but you realize that, uh-oh, that's not good. But entertainment. Where did we as a nation get to the place that we have transgender bathrooms when whatever you felt like that day, you could walk into the bathroom? Come on now. Well, how in the world does somebody get into the mindset that they're so influenced that we say, that stuff's okay? Can I remind you, I'd like you to participate today. If I got quiet there. You watch the news and you begin to think, man, how, why am I so depressed when everything that is spoken seems to be so negative? Influence, influence by people that have a train of thought going one way that now is so off of what the Word of God says. I don't know if you knew this or not, but just this week in New York, if I understand right, that Somebody can abort a child up to the time before it was born. A full-term baby. Is that correct? And you go, how in the world did that happen? Paul is saying, this is how it happens. The influence of the world and the mindset of the world begins to, to, to influence a person to go, that wasn't right five years ago, ten years ago, but now it's okay. 
And they'll, they'll title it as progress. And it's okay. Now let me tell you that I'm not preaching against the lady that has had an abortion. But I'm telling you, God can forgive you. But it is not the will of God for America to be in favor of that. Paul is painting a picture. People have no standard like God's word in their life by which to live. Therefore, they're guided constantly changing ethics and whims of the time. And again, education and entertainment and fashion can just guide people to believing, now this is right. If you take all those things that I just said in different parts of that passage, you could say it like this. Don't you remember what you used to be like? Why, back then, you habitually walked around trapped and unable to get off that track you were stuck on. Totally unaware that you were being dominated and manipulated by the constantly fluctuating thinking of the day. By the whims of the times and by whatever society was giving its approval to at that moment. It goes on to say, those people were under the demonic control of the enemy. The disobedience, or the disobedient, the rebellious, or the unbelieving. But also it says, the careless. Can I tell you that that is who you were, but it is not who you are today? As you have come to make Jesus Lord and Savior over your life, you realize that Jesus has redeemed you. What does that mean? He has paid the price with His own. Man, when we sing that song, I can't stop just going, oh. when, it, when it's amazing grace, it's amazing that you laid down your life for me. That, that, that a love that Jesus has for us that He says, you know what? I'm going to redeem you with my blood. I'm going to die to prove to you how much I love you. I purchase you back to me. But it's your choice. That he redeemed you and sanctified you. Now this is the part that I get happy. Ooh, not only did he redeem me, but he sanctified me. He has made me holy. That the people that are still trapped, our friends and family, that we were still trapped until Jesus came and died for us. Can I tell you this? That as he brought out the spiritual prisoners. That we are in prison until we make that decision to come out. Can, can you say with me? I've decided to come out. Oh that was weak. I've decided to come out of that prison. Say it with me. I've decided to come out of that prison. And the only way that we can come out of that prison. Is that we go through the gate. And Jesus is the gate. And here's what's exciting is when we come out, we go in to Jesus. So I've decided to come in to Jesus. Say it with me. I've decided to come in to Jesus. The Bible says that when we come into Jesus, that we are the righteousness in Christ Jesus. I have a good friend that says, you're a righteous dude. 
And if I'm not careful, I go, well, I don't feel too righteous. Why? Because if I'm not careful, I'll begin to hear, again, some identity that's not what God's speaking over me. What the Word of God says about me. Can I tell you this morning that when you begin to walk not who you used to be, but who you are today, that who you are in Christ Jesus, the redeemed, the sanctified, the, the person that has been bought by the blood of Jesus, that the person that says, I'm a child of God. And sometimes we say that so fast, go, yeah, child of God. But no, no. If you take a king and you're born into the royalty of the king and you're part of the king's court, that all the privileges of that court you experience for yourself, you walk in, you get it. If somebody said to a prince, Dude, you don't belong here. He'd go, oh, yes, I do. So you do too. Go ahead, sit down. You belong here. This morning, I want you to join in with me. Join in. And here's what I want you to do. We're going to sing that song because I believe that it has a lot of, a lot of, well, let's just say good things that we can confess with our mouth during the song. I, I'm trading my sorrows. I'm not going to walk in all that junk that's in my past. I'm going to turn my back on that because it's forgiven. What can I tell you this? Even if it was yesterday, it's in the past. Can we forget it? Let God forgive you and let's go on. I'm trading my sorrows. I'm trading my shame. I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. Listen to this. It gives us privilege of knowing the covenant of God for our lives. That we are His children. Here's the privilege. I'm trading my sickness. I'm trading my pain. Again, I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. I'm, I'm getting rid of all that and I'm picking up the joy of the Lord. Because the joy of the Lord is my strength. Now listen. It says, and we will say, yes, Lord. That's saying, amen, I believe that. I appropriate those promises by faith. It says, I'm pressed, but not crushed. I might be persecuted, but I'm not abandoned. I'm struck down, but I'm not destroyed. You're going to sing this song like you never sang it before, I guarantee it. I'm blessed beyond the curse. For His promise will endure. What, what is it? Because when Jesus died on the cross, He took the curse on Himself. You're cursed. If you know an identity, you go, no, I'm not. My Jesus took that curse on Himself. And when you realize who you are and what God has afforded you, all of a sudden, like I've said before, your, your arms and praise become like helium. Oh God, thank you. But listen to this part. And His joy is going to be my strength. Ooh, it's kind of got an attitude, doesn't it? Though the sorrow may last for a night, His joy comes with the morning. Can my worship team come back? It's your worship team too. Now this morning, 
The service isn't going to be over when we're done singing because I've allowed it enough time. But I want you to engage in this song. Now, I'm not talking to your physical man. Can you hear me? I'm not talking to your physical man. Well, pastor, I'm tired. I'm kind of <laughs> off and I'm kind of been down in the back. I'm not talking to your physical man. You're going to have to talk to your physical man. Get up. Just like David, rise up. But I'm talking to your spiritual man. Receive the newness of what Jesus is offering you this morning. In weeks to come, we'll begin to speak about identity and purpose and all those good things. But this morning, I want you to make this fresh. This is Zacchaeus stepping into Jesus. This is that sinful woman being known throughout generations as the forgiven. New identity. New person. Can you trade all that junk I don't care what you did yesterday. I don't care what you did last night. I don't care a month ago, a year ago. I don't know what you said to your wife. I don't know what you did after work. I don't care. This is the new beginning. I'm trading all that junk for the joy of the Lord. Now, now one more thing, and then we're going to rip it loose here. We're going to just cut it loose. Yeah, go ahead and stand. Come on.